Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, and welcome to Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. And I'm Johnny. And I'm Callum. And Gucci. Li- oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Should we start this again? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> we are back this week in Untitled Film Podcast HQ. I am back from the other side of the world, or the hemisphere, or whatever you want to call it. Um... And we are this week going to be discussing some movies that I saw on the aeroplane on the way out. For the sake of convenience, it would seem like that would, for I mean, God's sake, <laughs> hitting his microphone cord probably less than a couple of minutes in. That's probably a record. <laughs> uh, but yes, we're going to be doing some quite eclectic mixes today. Um, we've got two movies, one modern, one little less modern, but <laughs> we are pushing it this week because I think the, the less modern one came out in 2018. But we've got the animated film, The Bad Guys, and we have Bo Burnham's 2018 coming-of-age movie, Eighth Grade. Now, Johnny, what is the link between these two? It's society and how society treats people that it perceives to be different and how those people look at themselves. Give that man an Oscar. That was a, a great way to link two films that are barely linked at all. I, the thing is, I watched them back to back on the plane and I was actually struck by the similarities, struck by the similarities in structure, kind of image and, you know, kind of that whole kind of believe, we won't talk too much about it now, we'll talk more about it in a minute, but kind of believing in your, yourself and things. So I actually did think when I was watching them, you know what, and... There's, there is quite a parallel between them. And I almost think eighth grade's the film you need, need when you're a 14, 15, 16-year-old. And The Bad Guys is the film you need when you're a 9, 10, 11-year-old. And they kind of, yeah, they actually do marry up in, in the kind of well, the way they make you think sphere. I was surprised too. I remember texting you and going, actually, these two are 
quite a bit yeah. more links than I thought. Actually, you're not talking a load of steaming bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I think, what you possibly thought at first. I absolutely thought that. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> not, not a question about it. But no, I uh, actually, yeah, I probably wouldn't have suggested them if I didn't think there was a link, if I thought, if it, I thought it was that tenuous. But yeah, no, uh, I, I do think it works. So will we talk about that more in a moment? Lots of fun to be had there. But first off, we've got a little calling out. On our social media this week, I posted an incredibly funny meme. It was very funny. Um, and very self-deprecating, if I do say so myself. And uh, lots of people liked said meme, but underneath it was a question. And the question was... Oh, I actually can't remember. Oh, it's what is your favourite Halloween movie as we're coming up to Halloween? And nobody replied. Nobody. Not a single person. They just liked it. And yep. Obviously just looked at the meme thought, haha, that's funny and didn't reply. So uh, I don't want to use too strong language, but I want to say that our audience <laughs> are time-wasting parasites. And the hard work that Rob puts into this, he puts so much work into this. And we put barely anything into it. Uh, but he puts so much work into it. Can you not just do it for Rob? Yeah. Little old Rob Hardstone. He's working so hard. Fingers to the bone, that man. And he's at home now, crying like a little girl. <laughs> and obviously, spread your podcast, the podcast far and wide uh, also, because, um, yeah, we want more people to listen to it. And like, should we answer this question, since no one else did? That's exactly what I was going to suggest. So, Callum, what is your favourite Halloween movie? The Thing, 1982, John Carpenter. It is a perfect movie. It, it just works. Every bit of it works. It's the right length. The actors are given just enough stuff to chew on. But, you know, they're not really characters. They're archetypes. It's so fun. The special effects are so grisly. It's just a perfect film. Very good. Uh, and mine, uh, and I need to preface this, I'm not the biggest horror movie, Halloween movie fan. Shock. Um, but I do like one to, uh, time to time. So I'm probably going for the least horror Halloween horror movie of all time, The Shining. It's still an excellent movie. It is. I like it just for its cinematography, for its surrealness, for um, poor Shelley Duvall's uh, great acting where she was losing her hair from stress. That poor woman. <laughs> that poor, poor woman. Um, yeah, love it. Great, great film visually. Um, yeah. That's an excellent choice. Or if you wanted a out-of-the-box choice, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Although, is that the, the age-old argument, Christmas movie or Halloween movie? I go for Christmas. Yeah, I think I do as well. It works for both, though. Which it is does. Quite, in, quite a hard thing to pull off, really. Like, if you go to Disney World or any of the Disneylands in the water at Halloween, those characters take over. Yeah, they do. But it probably is more Christmas movie. I'd say so. It's, I would say it's almost as Christmassy as Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And anyone <laughs> who doesn't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, fight me. It's also people who don't think Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. It's yeah. the best Christmas movie, or one of the best. Well, I would say Die Hard. But... It's certainly up there, the alternative Christmas movies. They're not alternative, they're Christmas. They're just Christmas movies. They're more Christmassy than Bad Santa, so... Yes. Anywho, on to... The, the news. So, Callum, what is your first piece of news this week? The first piece of news is that there's a documentary coming out called Meet Me in the Bathroom, and it's... I've read the book. Oh, have you? That's great. And it, yes, it is based on the book, and now they've turned it into a feature-length documentary... It's about the rise of the New York City indie scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, The Strokes, uh, LCD, LCD Sound, Sound System. 
whole bunch of bands, but they, there's a movie that's coming out, so they've been working very hard on it. It's produced by XTR and Vice Studios and Pulse Films, and it's going to be produced through a company called Utopia. And there's a small number of uh, theatrical screenings that will be uh, produced uh, throughout the US. No word on the UK yet. Again, unfortunately, these stories do tend to be quite US-focused, but it'll be on Showtime in the US, and I'm sure one of the many streaming services here will pick it up, probably Disney+. Plus. So interesting enough, I have been following this because I think it came out of Sundance, or it's been, it's been actually it's out in the been domain to, for a while. It's been a, it's done a festival run, certainly. So uh, the book is what was it? South by Southwest. Anyway, it came out of some some cool indie festival in America. Um, the the book is really well done. In what it does, it's all interviews. Um, and it what was that? Some sort of pinging sounds. Was it your phone? Oh, it's maybe? like my phone. Um, yeah. Uh, it <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was a. Um, it, it's kind of interwoven um, with lots of interviews. And what's quite funny is you'll have one person saying one thing, and then another person immediately from a different band contradicting what the other person <laughs> had said. It was. It's so weird. It actually kind of connects a bit with that Everest documentary series you talked about the other day um, on the last pod. That yeah, you kind of get this like these varying opinions, and I think having seen the trailer for the the, the film version of it, it, they've kind of done the same thing where they've recorded the talking heads and cut them together. So uh, it's good, it's good, good sipping the tea kind of vibe about it, which is quite interesting. But also, yeah, it really gives you nice kind of interesting insight into the 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 kind of building up of these bands and this scene that kind of came out of nowhere and then disappeared to the world. Um, it's a quite interesting local stuff for us Kent boys in there as well because there's quite a lot of stuff about the Libertines and about all of the James Endicott who some of the listeners to this podcast know personally um some people say is my my body double um he he's actually interviewed in it as well talking about the, the Libertines and when the Strokes came over and the Libertines supported them and stuff like that and so no it's quite interesting I'm very much looking forward to it yeah definitely and what is your first piece of news? So my first piece of news is the movie most anticipated for everyone this year. Um, we've talked about it many times on the podcast before. Avatar 2, The Way of the Water, is only going to be 190 minutes long. That's three only? hours and ten minutes. Jesus. Um, James Cameron, as ever, loves a short, well-edited script and a tight, short movie. He certainly does. He doesn't waffle around, that man. No. Doesn't go over length that is ridiculous. Not at all. Not him. So, yeah. So get ready to have your bladder exploding. As one of the um, news articles that I saw that was talking about this said, um, the movie may be called The Way of the Water, but you won't want to drink too much water before you go in. Boom, boom. Exactly. I can't claim that joke. That was an article I read, but I thought it was quite good. (laughs) And your second piece of news. My second piece of news is that Anna Kendrick is going to make her directorial debut with a romantic comedy called The Dating Game. And they've cast their leading man. It's uh, from a TV show called Station Eleven. His name is Daniel Zovato. I can't say I'm that familiar with Station Eleven, but uh, there's so many shows uh, on cable channels and streaming channels that it really is quite hard to come up, uh, keep up with them all. Yeah, I've never heard of Station Eleven. Never heard of them, but I understand it's got a few seasons. um, So, you know, but all of these shows do. I think we were at the cinema once and there was an advert for a Western with Kevin Costner and it said, the biggest show in America. We're like, what? 
Never heard of it. Never, never heard of it. But I'm very much looking forward to this. We've all been rooting for Anna Kendrick. I think you and I are both big fans of Anna Kendrick. Um, she's very talented. She's a very talented actor, can do f- comedy and uh, drama. And I think she'll apply herself very well to directing, considering the breadth of talent that she's worked with over the years in terms of directors. I mean, just to go go back to that slightly, on the plane home, I discovered that the guy from Dennis from West London Philadelphia has a TV series that's at least four seasons deep that I'd never heard of called AP Bio, and it's pretty awful. I think it's just a case of that because there's so many channels, <laughs> because there's so many Any streaming services, you can get a show that will at least get two to three seasons and people are like, really? What? How? But what? I haven't seen that what? it's out on anything in the UK. It's quite funny, though, because actually Always Sunny is quite often a plane movie. They, they, plane movie, plane TV show. They, they quite often have episodes of Always Sunny on planes, which has always, always struck me as quite an out-there thing, because people that love Always Sunny love it, but it's you know it's maybe not the most mainstream of shows. Um, but you'd say that, but it's I think it's the longest-running american sitcom at least in terms of number of seasons yeah i think it is but it doesn't mean it's necessarily it it, it has a very diehard audience so and i think it isn't particularly expensive to make that's Um, probably why they put it on planes exactly well possibly good money spinner even if it only gets 10 people watching yeah but um it's always a good one just if you you haven't got time to watch a movie you want to go to sleep just put a bit of always sunny on it's good to fall asleep too but but yes anyway we we as ever, go on a slight tangent. Um, <laughs> and hit the microphone. And hit the microphone. <laughs> Just for ticking all of the boxes. Um, my second piece of news uh, is when two of my biggest passions collide. Lewis Hamilton started a movie production company. Oh, wow. Um, and he has got two movies in the works. One, I don't know if we may have spoken about before, is a, uh, a movie about Brad Pitt. Well, about Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt starring... As a Formula One driver who comes out of retirement to teach a young gun how to drive or something. Um, it's untitled currently, not fully, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of fully gestized, doesn't got a name or full plot synopsis, but apparently Brad Pitt is going to be a racing driver, which would make him the, his- the, what, the oldest ha- racing driver in the history of the world. To say he's long in the tooth would be an exaggeration. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Interesting enough, actually, he was at the American Grand Prix, which was last week, and there was a bit of a controversy because he wouldn't speak to the kind of an old driver who's like the, the kind of most famous British um, uh, British kind of commentator these days uh, and kind of like fobbed him off a bit. So there was a bit of a controversy, like he's making a movie about F1 and he won't even speak to the fans. But I know he's going through, him and Angelina both going through a, a rough one because they're going through quite a messy divorce. So I think that might have a lot to do with his mood at the moment. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it was that. I think it was he, because it's kind of early in the early days of production, maybe he can't say too much about the script and things and didn't want to get, um, uh, what's the word we can for? Didn't want to get kind of like uh, doorstepped about things that he couldn't talk about. Probably that too, yeah. I think, but anyway, they, I think they, 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 they kissed and made up afterwards. But anyway, that was a bit of a controversy. Uh, and the other film is a documentary about the life of Lewis Hamilton. Um, but apparently there will be more movies in the future, which kind of tracks with the way that Lewis has been going anyway, because he seems to have got fingers in pies when it comes to music and, and media industry. Well, I know he's a very intelligent man. He seems to be someone who's very on it with things like that. He seems to be coming across that way, Absolutely. So that is the news.
Which week. means it's movie time. And uh, who wants to flip the coin for taking on the synopsis for the first film? I, I'll do bad guys, I think. Okay. And you can do eighth grade Fantastic. as you love it so. I do. So the spoilers. bad guys is an yeah, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bad guys is an animated movie. Uh, it stars Sam Rockwell in the lead character of Mr. Wolf, uh, the big bad wolf, some would say, uh, and he is followed by Aquafina as a spider with Aquafina as a spider. Uh, Craig Rob- Robinson, Robertson, Robinson, Robinson. I can never remember if it's Robertson or Robinson uh, as Mr. Shark. Um, and uh, Mark Maron as Mr. Snake, and I've forgotten who the piranha is. Uh, he's the guy from the movie In the Heights. Yeah, him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I've forgotten his name. Uh, <laughs> um, as a set of ragtag bad guys, they are seen by the world as what they look like, uh, which is bad guys, bad things in this weird world where humans and animals meet. Uh, and they go to, they get goaded into pulling off a big heist. Uh, and they go to pull off this heist and get caught. And there is Mayor Foxington, who is played by, I've forgotten her Zazzy name. Beats. Zazzy Beats. Uh, <laughs> and um, she is a fox who is, is she a mayor or is she a senator? A congresswoman. I, think she, she, I don't think she's a mayor. I don't think she's a mayor either. I think she's like maybe a congresswoman. She's important. This synopsis is going it's well. It's going really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is important. And uh, she, with the help of Richard Iowadi's, is he Mr. Hamster? He's got, <laughs> no, he's got a name something. Yeah, it's not Mr. Hamster, is he? He's Mr. Cuddles Do or something like that. IMDb he's, anyway, he's a hamster. Uh, and he is um, the best, the nicest person in the world. Professor Marmalade. Professor Marmalade, because I surely would have known that. <laughs> Just call him Mr. Hamster. Follow the theme. Why are these all called Mr. Snake, Mr. Tarantula, and so on? And then he's called bloody Mr. Mr. Was it? Professor Marmalade. Professor Marmalade. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've gone so off track here. Um, Professor Marmalade, who is the greatest, the best person in the world, thinks that he can turn the bad guys into the good guys. He thinks there is a little piece of good in everyone, and he is the master of bringing it out. And hijinks ensue. And ensue they do. Uh, the th- first thing that surprised me about this film is kind of how indie it felt. Like, it, it did feel like someone was making a, maybe not quite an A24 film, but was certainly um, a Sundancey sort of weird crime caper movie that just happened to be animated. And it, it really is no small part because of the cast. You have Sam Rockwell, Zazie Beetz, Mark Maron... Um, the only kind of people who are kind of super mainstream there is people like Aquafina and Craig Robinson are more broad, broadly comic figures. Um, Richard Ayoade, whenever there's an English comedian in an American thing, it's usually in some scrappy indie, like how Steve Coogan has reinvented himself as an American character actor. Um, and I was found myself surprised, if not by the film, then certainly by them. I thought that it was interesting to have these characters who are anti-heroes or they become anti-heroes at least they are bad guys as per the title uh in the first half at least um you have a very scrappy looking animation it, it's almost cell shaded so it looks like uh like the video game borderlands or has that sort of you know hard lines around them not dissimilar to um into the spider-verse um it has a lot of scrappy charm it's very cine literate it's referencing things like tarantino the opening scene or one of the opening scenes takes place with two guys 
chatting in a diner, like every Tarantino film, before the more kind of broadly comic um, animation stuff comes up. So no, I found myself quite surprised by all that. Um, so Johnny, what did you think by it? Yeah, I really love that about it. I actually, I think first off, I would like to give a huge shout out to the animators. I thought the animation was amazing. It did something interesting that was different. Like you say, it's got a bit of Spider-Verse-ness about it, but it still felt very much its own thing as well. I absolutely loved the character design of the mouths, all of the mouths. Like there's the um, one of the humans who is a, a police officer some of the things she does with her mouths are amazing. Um, the wolf's mouth's amazing. The snake's mouth's amazing. Like, they're all done so well. Um, interesting enough, some, one of your favourite people, the Corridor crew, were talking about it in an episode, and they were saying how hard it is to animate a snake and how like, an amazing job they did and how expressive they managed to make Mr. Snake in it. So that, I'd like to say, absolutely loved about it. Really, 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 really loved the cast like you. Zazie Beats was amazing. I thought her and Sam Rockwell's character kind of worked really well um funny you should talk about spider-verse as well i thought it had that kind of lord miller kind of quick joke quick joke quick joke like a joke a minute kind of feel about it made me laugh a lot made me smile a lot i thought it worked really well the only one area i would say is it probably was lacking somewhat in story and probably was um maybe a little bit obvious at times Having said that, you know, its target audience probably are not 30-year-olds, um, but there is enough in there for a 30-year-old to enjoy it, definitely. And also, if you look at the books that it's originally based on, uh, it's a based on a book, it kind of like a, a children's book where it's like one page with two sentences on and then another page with two sentences on, and each book is about the bad guys. They decide that they're tr- going to try and be good, and then they kind of mess it up somehow, which is kind of what happens in the first two-thirds of the movie. Um, so no, it, I think for, for what it is, it, it is, it's brilliant, it's well animated, it's funny. They could have made that film so much more lazily, um, picked some maybe bigger names, because I suppose Sam Wockwell's probably the biggest name in it, and everything else is like you say, kind of like, you know, B and C-list TV and, and thing actors, Aquafina to an extent, but again, she's not, you know, she's not a leading actress in a giant movie yet. I suppose she, kind of in um, Marvel, but... I guess she's on that cusp. Yeah. Um, but Sam Rockwell, obviously, is, is kind of maybe more of a proven movie star. But outside of that, you know, they could have just filled it with A-list names, done lazy animation, kept the same script, but maybe not had quite as many jokes in it um, and, and just plopped it out and it probably still would have made money for them. Uh, but they actually seem like they've really cared about it, really, yeah, it's fun. Like the, the animation, the pacing of the animation is really fun as well. It like bounces along at points. It feels like it feels like you're kind of bouncing along with it. And yeah, and I really like that about it. I have to say, I just from the sounds of, you know, you can tell where a review is going by how enthusiastically someone talks about it. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it nearly as much as you, just from the way you were talking that, like, oh, it's, it's really great. Da, 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 da. I really enjoyed some of the charming stuff with the kind of scrappier india stuff uh, india indie stuff with that that the casting the animation all very scrappy very silly literate i did find that once the they got out of the diner and the plot kicked in i found myself not necessarily not caring but it was just very much a oh it's a ho-hum animated movie filler plot. um you know they have to prove to be good in order to eventually go back and do the heist but what's this they actually want to be good, or at least, um, and this is uh, in the trailer, um, it's Sam Rockwell's Mr. Wolf who finds out he actually wants to do good. And he has a hard time convincing the rest of his crew 
to come on board with him. So the plot I just found, it was a filler. It was not unenjoyable, but it was very much a drag you along, animated Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, animated DreamWorks film plot. The villain plot, and we won't spoil who exactly the plot Plillen, the villain is. But you've probably guessed it. But he probably guessed it just from the sound of the synopsis. It could be, probably it could be one of two. Yeah, it could be one of two. Yeah, from the, <laughs> 50-50. From the characters we've described, there are two characters who could be a bit shady. One of them might be, one of them might not be. They're a bit of a filler villain. Um, you know, there, there's nothing that remarkable about anything other, I found. The animation's really cool. When it does get cine-literate, those are good fun. And the fact that they've gone through the Sundance car- casting process of getting people like Sassy Beats, Sam Rockwell, all that kind of gang, rather than A-listers, that's a real feather in its cap. But anything around them, I just found myself going, eh, it's functional, it's serviceable, it does the job. But other than the few remarkable elements of who they're getting and how they've animated it, I found myself just going, eh, I could watch this with a, a cup of tea and a cake. And which is fine, but it's not nothing remarkable there. I I found and I enjoyed it, but I didn't find myself thinking that it was particularly remarkable. Did you think it passed the Mark Commode five laughs test? Yeah, yeah, probably six or seven good laughs, probably. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think well, I said it was like kind of a joke a minute and things. Some of the jokes aren't stellar. There's quite a lot of fart jokes, but again, target audience things like that. Maybe it, you know, I suspect. When they drew the quadrants out in the marketing meeting, they probably went, well, this is going to be for 10, from for seven to 12-year-old boys, 70%, and then girls, 30%, and then a few adults will watch it with them. And I suspect it probably ticks the boxes for, for them and, and does it in a more interesting way than, say, the Minions movie. Although I heard great, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear great things about the new Minions movie. And again, kind of doing those kind of like Tarantino references and all that kind of stuff. But... I think may you know I think they tried a little bit harder with the animation in my opinion than 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 say the Minions movie and things and and again maybe with getting a more interesting voice cast than the Minions movies and stuff but um, but yeah I think it is there's almost there's there's different levels of quality of animation and you get those kind of like super triple A star like you know uh, Toy Story two movies and things which really kind of just hit everything and are perfect to everyone and if you don't like them you're an idiot. Um, and that's, you can quote me on that with uh, Toy Story 2. Uh, and then you kind of get... Cancelled. <laughs> and then you kind of get a second level of kind of maybe middling Pixar movies and, and you know, maybe, although I'm actually not the greatest fan of it, well, I don't dislike it, but Shrek, something like that, you know, things that become kind of zeitgeisty. And then you probably get another level below that where it's, you know, good quality family fun. And I think that fits into here. Then you get kind of bad quality family fun and then you get like the Emoji movie. Um, and you yeah, know, I that, agree with that. That's kind of so it's kind of in the middle, but I did think it it pushed itself towards the top of the middle by trying to do a few different things. So I'm somewhere more in the middle of that middle pack, <laughs> um, maybe even lower middle, uh, but it's still in the enjoyable level. It's funny you should talk about um, hitting the boxes for box office. It did okay. It didn't pass 100 million in the US, and I'm not sure if it did uh, outside. So I think it was like. 170, 180, which say, says to me it's does it did okay. It was a half term or holiday movie that filled a box, filled a, filled a spot for the kids mm. at home, but it wasn't essential viewing. So I do wonder if there maybe was a bit of an identity crisis among kids who are going, 
What's all this 70s style inflected Tarantino? This is exactly what the kids would be saying. I'm, I'm not, I, I want to see more colourful minions and stuff. I don't get this, Dad. What is it? Why are you taking me here? What's quite interesting is I definitely think they tried to market it towards the parents because I got quite a lot of adverts for it, but it was all Mark Maron adverts. Like, Mark Maron is Mr. Snake on, on Instagram all the time. Subscribe to Untitled Film Podcast on Instagram. Um, and it, and I suspect it's probably because I listen to Mark Maron's podcast sometimes. So there's some kind of internet clicking thing that has told some advertiser somewhere that I listen to Mark Maron and they've gone, oh, Mark Maron's in a film and just sent me Mark Maron adverts. So it seemed to be a bit of a film that didn't quite know who to sell it to. No. The film itself is perfectly... Good functional for, for and ten year old kids, uh, but and yeah, perfectly fine. If you took a, a kid to see this, they they'd probably enjoy themselves. There are, there are fart jokes and the, and they're good fun fart jokes and some fun car chases. Yeah, and... exactly. Uh, but the marketing was very much like, okay, we've got a Sam Rockwell nineteen seventies Tarantino inflected <laughs> style, Mister Wolf, Mister Wolf doing a heist movie, doing a heist movie, but it's made for children. Oh, you haven't made my job easy. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, that big name that kids love, Richard Iowadi. Oh yeah, and Mark Maron and, and <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Long are the days where, where kids are coming home talking about, Dad, Dad, put on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Dad. I want to see that moon, Dad. Dad, put put on put on uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Dad, Dad, I, oh, I want... you know the third bad guy from Iron Man? I really love him. I, lo- I love him. That, that character I've forgotten about in that movie I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's well, second Iron Man. Sorry, but yeah, there, you know there is the there is that element to to it. Or yeah, you know that person that wrote the song about her vagina. That's, that's I want to see I her want. as a tarantula. Yeah, <laughs> a techno tarantula, that mustachioed elderly comedian. I want to see him, Dad. Dad, take me to see the Mark Maron film. Well, that would be uh, <laughs> Rob and Dave. I would love to see the Mark Maron film. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not this one. But yeah, I think it kind of ticked the boxes as a plain movie. Um, I think it's quite telling that the amount of marketing I got about Mark Maron being in it and yeah, I didn't go and see it is probably what exactly happened to the rest of the world. Um, unless you've got kids and you hadn't gone and seen the Minions movie, which probably came out like a week apart or something. I can't remember when this came out. Was no, I, I can't now. remember. But it, it was at a point when it seemed to be, I think it was a half term mm-hmm. and I think it, it did okay. It didn't do terribly. It didn't flop. Certainly. But I can't didn't... imagine. I imagine they made their budget back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine it was more than $100 million to make. It wasn't like Pixar level of animation well, or anything. But no, I think the animators did a good job. I think that the voice acting cast did a good job. I think it had some good jokes in it, but it's probably no more than that. Probably had a good moral in it, which probably brings us quite nicely to about, about the world seeing you as you are and, um, and what you think of yourself and your self-worth, which probably brings us quite nicely to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Our second movie. And that second film would be Eight. Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Who? Who's Bo, Bo Burnham? Burnham? Who's Bo Burnham? He is a comedian. He recently had that huge hit inside during the kind of height of lockdown it's a big smash hit he's uh, been very popular for a long time uh, and he this is his directorial joe biden <laughs> joe 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 biden and he he turns me down when i sing so i just want to point out the hypocrisy here so you know it's not a fair system this isn't a democracy it's not i rule it with an iron fist <laughs> all right putin <laughs> So this is um, Bo Burnham's directorial debut. came out in 2018. It's a coming-of-age film about a young girl. She's very shy, very awkward. She's very uncertain in her own skin. And she makes these vlogs. She puts them out to almost no one watching them, much like this podcast, actually. Um, it has uh, like views, like two, three, five views, six zero. views. Zero. Uh, zero. Um, it's a good comic touch from both. And it's in the last week of eighth grade, so they're just gearing up for kind of the last week before they move into secondary school. And it's very much a fly-in-the-wall, day-in-the-life, kind of true-to-life setting of this awkward teenage girl as she tries to navigate through this kind of horrible maze of that sort of awkward period in being a teenager when you're 15, 16, the popular kids don't really like you, or less so that they don't like you, more that they just ignore you. But she wants to be into that crowd, even though she's a lot less vapid, a lot more interesting than that crowd. What's the actress's name? Her name is Elsie Fisher. And, um, yeah, she's a very terrific uh, young actress. Um, And, you know, she's trying to break into this kind of, bigger crowd she lives her life through social media through instagram through snapchat filters and it's just her trying to navigate that path and before i start gushing about this film because i will have left off the hook uh, i'll let mr finn go first uh, and how much did you love eighth grade you better loved it a lot <laughs> or i'm walking out yeah it's good right <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, it's you know it's good. It's um, it's uh, well written <laughs> and well directed indie movie. Um, it tells the story of a young girl very well, I think, and that kind of not knowing. Is someone drilling? I think there is some. I apologise to our listeners work. if there is construction going on. Um, I have a little control over this. Somehow it is worse than the alarms in Quito. There we go. Anyway, yes. No, it, it is incredibly good. Um, it, it really tells that kind of story of that kind of awkward age when you're, I think she's about 14 in it, I want to say. I don't I'm, know how the great system sure works exactly in America. How 13, 14, something like that. When you're kind of trying to work out how you know who you are what you want to be how you're kind of one thing in one in your head but you're maybe a bit too nervous to to show that thing to the world um and trying to kind of find yeah find your place and and um being known as the quiet girl and for to be written by a what what the time i think was a 27 year old man um surprisingly insightful into that kind of um into that world had the kind of some cool little directorial touches in there as well in the, the way that kind of inside does. 
Um, obviously, he's very self-knowing, very self-deprecating person and kind of just leaves the camera running in strange moments and things. And I think he does that very well. And I think there is probably a level of semi-biographicalness to it because it doesn't, the, the thing, there's nothing in there really that's massively specific. There's a couple of bits that are massively specific girls, but it's not like, you know, this, the boys go through exactly the same things. Um, and I think there's probably a level of, obviously he was an internet star. He became an internet star when he was in his teens. And there's probably, there's probably a younger version of him trying to, to, to do that and recording himself in his bedroom and putting it on YouTube and stuff as well. So um, yeah, I suspect that's where the understanding comes from. And no, I think it, it, it's, uh, it's really good. I think it has uh, an insight that very few coming of age dramas do in that because Bo Burnham is someone who did live their life through YouTube, through, through making videos. It understands how we live in a society that tends to stigmatize teenagers and children for being narcissistic because they live their lives through Instagram filters and Snapchat filters. But it's adults that put those constructs in the way. And then it's us that wags their finger. But what, is different about how Bo Burnham deals with things. His satire, his his look at the lives of teenagers isn't so much one of wagging its finger. It remarkably likes its protagonist and has a great deal of empathy with its young audience. And which is actually, I feel quite a rare thing for a lot of coming of age movies. And it has a great insight into how um, teenagers live their lives online it also is a very smart in the way it knows how to hold back because there are moments of darkness. There are, you know, there's lights mixed with dark. Uh, there's uh, optimistic things like um, she meets a new friend when uh, they go to, they do this day where they go to high school to a day in the life of a high schooler. This is what you'll be soon uh, encountering. And they're paired with a high schooler and she meets a very sweet uh, young woman named Olivia who becomes a, a kind of a friend, a confidant. But there's also in that same friend pack of uh, high schoolers, a very dark moment happens. And you said there aren't many moments that are gender specific. That was the one that was the one specific. And it is skin crawling when she gets propositioned in a car by a teenage boy who takes... Must be like two, three years older than her. Yeah, several years older. And she is, you know, the age that she is. And actually, this (laughs) links back to um, a, a previous episode. That young boy was played by the protagonist or antagonist of funny pages so he's mr a24's teen you know to look out for teen Teen creep creep, the creepy teen you want to get the creepy teen get this lad he's perfect uh what that says about him i'm not sure but um that's very creepy but what bo burnham does very well is he goes right up to the line and he doesn't go over it and it could have been so easy and then you can imagine the justifications like I had to show what teenagers really go through. That was a lot of the justifications for one of the previous episodes of Blonde. I had to show exactly the raw nastiness. Like, no, Andrew, you're just swimming in the muck and you know it. But Bo Burnham is a lot smarter than that. He knows to show something dark and then goes right up to the line and he goes, okay, that's all I'm going to show you because he's a very sensitive, very intelligent man and he knows that any more than that would be exploitation. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's incredibly well done. And yeah, I think, like you say, it's a smart movie. Has, it comes together nicely at the end. Really enjoyed the dad character, actually, as well. I thought he was very sympathetic and nice, which often I feel like isn't always the portrayal of parents and things in, in these kind of shows or films or movies or things. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think it works really well from that point of view. The dad is incredibly sympathetic and it's very nice the way they show him. He's quite put upon because she's going through that sort of terrible teenager stage where she just kind of yells, oh my God, dad. You know, So kind of stuff. embarrassing. Yeah. And he's so patient and so sweet. And the film rewards him quite greatly because the kind of emotional outpouring, the, because the film is very stop start because she's an awkward teenager so it's very uh, um uh, um and he's very much like a oh so uh how was your day at school they're, they're very much they've reached a point where they can't get over mm. where of awkwardness but also that you know it's slightly fraught and then at the end he gets a monologue and it is just a gut punch it's so incredibly sensitive and so sweet and it's so earned because monologues can often uh, I think Rutger Hauer... They must come out of nowhere, can't they, yeah. sometimes? Uh, Rutger Hauer once said, he had a monologue in the film, and he said he didn't like it because it just feels like... Duh, duh, duh. It's like chewing. It just feels like you're moving your mouth at some point. But because the dialogue is very stilted up until that point, to have this monologue at the end where it's an emotional outpouring of how much how great he thinks she is and how wonderful she is as a daughter, it's so earned and it's so sweet. And it is just the bow the movie needed to cap off everything. The Bo Burnham, some would the say. The Bo Burnham, boom, boom. Well, he's and that's why I'm here. all cylinders. Yeah, tip your waitress, he's here all week. Try the veal, it's excellent. Don't eat veal. <laughs> I ruined that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's wonderful. Um, and that everything about it, kind of, it's all gearing up to that bit at the end. And to have it at, to come at that moment, is so very earned. It's so... Very much like you, that's what the film needed right at the point it needed it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it really ties it up. And I think it's quite uplifting as a film by the end because it starts off and it is that kind of, and this is maybe one area of criticism I'd like to bring in. It does do that kind of indie thing of slow, slow paced kind of, just putting the camera there and watching a scene happen and things, which I think kind of, you know, it's meant to be a small personal story and I understand why they've done that, but it doesn't really kind of, it doesn't feel like it's going at a pace at any time. It does, it, I almost feel like it slightly drags at points. Oh, really? Which is fine. And I think it's the kind of film that you expect that from maybe, it, you know, it's not like a far, it's not into the Spider-Verse. Like it's not meant to be like... But I think actually at the end, it kind of, when you look, it's one of those things you don't realise how far the story is taking you, how far the emotional journey is taking you. And then when you have that speech and you have that ending and then you look back and you go, actually, this has taken this character and really taken through lots of situations and lots of scenarios. And they've grown so much that we, that this, this monologue and that this ending pays off and it makes complete sense. And it's very uplifting. And I think, you know, it's very... I think if anyone on the podcast here has a, you know, a young son or daughter, they should be making them watch this film. And I think they should watch it themselves, obviously, as well. But I think they should be making them watch it because I think it would answer maybe a lot of questions and a lot of worries that they have in life. And and um, I think it is a movie for. I think Bo has made this movie for those kind of aged people to tell them it will be alright and that they will be. Um, yeah, you know, they will get through these things. I wish I saw this when I was 14. I think this would have been just the perfect film to see at that age. When I was just starting to get into good movies. It would have been just the movie I needed to see 
at that time. I agree. Yeah, it's certainly better than Catcher in the Ride to show children and things like that kind of stuff that actually makes you go like, fuck. Or um, villain of this enemy, Zach Braff. Uh, sorry, villain of this podcast. Villain of this enemy. Uh, villain of this podcast, oh, Zach, Zach Braff, Braff uh, and Garden State. It just gets me, man. <laughs> it just gets me. Garden State speaks to me, man. No, absolutely. No, I think it's a perfect movie to show people like that. Excellent. So I think that is our two movies of the week review. So time for a wrap up. Uh, so what did you think of The Bad Guys out of 10? Um, I might be slightly unkind to The Bad Guys because the more I think about it, the less interesting it seems outside of that crew of characters and who they chose to voice them. But it is amusing enough. And I certainly didn't not enjoy watching it so i think a five out of ten just because it is casual easy going <laughs> but better than mediocre but less than good if that okay. makes sense better than mediocre less than good okay yeah and i think i agree with you on the story i think it, the story is a bit plain mediocre middling um but that would be you know in itself a five but I actually think because of the animation, because of the voice cast, um, because of some of the little nods and some of the little jokes, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, seven out of ten, I think. Uh, so nice rounding up to a six. So nice rounding up to a six, yeah. I think that, that makes sense. Three star. Yeah. Yeah. And eighth grade. What well, are you going to give eighth grade? I just love eighth grade. I, I think it's so smart and so sensitive. And it's a remarkable in the fact that it likes its characters, which is quite a rare thing for coming of age in teen movies where there's quite a cynical look of like a, oh, this is what teenagers are up to. Oh, look at this. This is what teenagers are up to, which is a problem I always had with skins where they seem to want oh, to have their cake yeah. and eat it, where Absolutely. on one hand they wanted to show them getting their tits out, but then on the other hand go, oh, they're getting their tits out and taking drugs and that. Oh, kids these days. Kids these days. But this, it likes its audience. And uh, we didn't mention the score by Anna Meredith. Ah, which I loved. That was one of my favourite bits of the movie, actually. Very good. And it, it seemed... It just it it made it. It put. The, I did wonder while I was listening to if Bo did the score because obviously it's if anyone doesn't know Bo is a musician. Very um, synthy, but it it seems to underscore everything that's going on with her. Yeah. So it's just a lovely movie. I'll give it nine out of ten. Yeah, um, I would agree on all those points. I think it really tells the story well. Great start to finish, um, uh, and and yeah, really well acted. Great soundtrack, well shot. I probably didn't quite love it as much as you. Do you? I probably do did think it could have had five minutes cut out. It was a few scenes that I just felt dragged a little bit. Um, not a lot. Like I'm not saying like it needs twenty minutes cut out or anything, but I just felt it could have been tightened slightly. So I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. It did occur to me how high the ratings of the older movies usually are, but that's usually because we're picking them because it's <laughs> something we've seen already that we know matches quite well with the first film so we get watch the first film because it's brand new and then we go oh that reminds me a bit of this film and it's always from our whoever's choosing it mm. it's from our personal collection of kind of favorite movies so there's a lot of nines and tens when it comes to the older movies but that's not a problem that's the fun of this podcast but yes i think eight out of ten is very solid so it rounds out to an 8.5 yeah perfect Lovely. i would agree excellent uh thank you very much for listening guys thank you and we will be back with another show with two exciting movies next week yes look forward to that don't forget to like and subscribe to our social medias and don't forget to answer the questions we put out for you you time wasting parasites 
and goodbye. Gucci. I can't end on that. Gucci. <laughs> can't end on that. Uh, we didn't mention that's what she says when she signs off on her YouTube video. She does mention she does say that, but I can't end on that. <laughs> it's two Pete Davidson. Okay. Um, Gucci. Bye. Dad, take me to see the Mark Marin film. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.